This is a Soul Fire production. I am talking about genuine peace, not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. You fool me, we can't get fooled again. I was a businessman doing business. By the military industrial complex. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Yes, we can. Thank you. We as a people will get to the promised land. Mmm, getting to the promised land sounds pretty good right now, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? Uh, I want to apologize real quick uh, for my absence this last week. I mean, I want to give everybody uh, give everybody a um, an understanding of what's going on in my own little world over here. Uh, so, as all of you probably know, uh, my wife is very pregnant, um, and we're right around the due date right now. But um, we have, for the last month or so, been kind of showing we uh, Kelly has been kind of showing um, early labor. Um, kind of s- symptoms, I guess. Uh, the last week or so has been kind of in and out of this like pre-labor, early early labor, um, back and forth all day, most days. It's been a, a, a pretty intense time. Um, apparently this is not all that unusual, but most women that go through this that are doing a hospital birth uh, would have been induced by now. Because they're showing, I mean, she's dilated these other things, um, letting you guys into a little bit more than probably what she wants me to tell you, but I feel like you guys deserve an explanation. Um, so last week or so, I've been really just trying to be present with that, thinking the baby was coming since last uh, Sunday, actually. So uh, every night, every day, I mean, and now that I'm finally sitting down sitting down to do a podcast, I might get interrupted in the middle of it to go uh, fill up the birth tub. But everything's out and ready to go. It's been a week, and it's been a crazy week. Um, I really feel for her. It's been hard um, <laughs> to watch uh, just all the, yeah, it's... It's weird, and, and that's, I think that's that's part of it. I mean, life and death and all the things in between um, are more flexible than they are fixed, and I think maybe I bought into the, like, hey, birth is this way, and this happens, and then your water breaks, and then this happens, and then there's a baby, but that's uh, not actually how it goes, and I know that people say uh, a lot of times, like, oh, you won't know these certain things uh, until you're a father, like yada, 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 that whole spiel, and there is something something true to that because the last, um, the last week or so, nothing has mattered to me at all besides that woman and that baby. And that's all I can think about. Um, I had no mental capacity to do, to do a show. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sorry for that, but I am sorry for, uh, not delivering specifically to the Patreon crew. That's going to be getting this episode as well. Uh, appreciate your patience and everybody's understanding and we're going to have a baby soon. We'll have a baby soon. Uh, hopefully here, everything's going to be fine. The midwife will be here tomorrow. Maybe it'll be tonight. I don't know, but, um, that's kind of been my perpetual state of, uh, stress and anxiety and excitement and joy and all the things this last week. Um, so that's, that's where I've been. That's what I've been doing. Uh, but we're heading into the holidays right now. We're heading into the holidays. And what we're going to do, with that being the case, I'm going to give you one big episode. So we're going to cover, cover a couple of biggest stories, maybe two big stories and one that's really just really just for fun. And then at the uh, that'll be the beginning of the show, the state of things. And then we'll get into the Patreon questions as well. So for those of you that are in the Patreon, know that your last names will not be touted anywhere um, as per usual when we put anything out. But for those of you that aren't on the Patreon, it's a good idea or a good opportunity to see what we do in the Patreon in case you want to join at patreon.com slash politically homeless. And uh, for the Patreon homies, you know, you're getting your topic requests uh, fulfilled. So yeah, it's been a weird time. But being that it's the holidays, I wanted to 
sip my coffee that I'm drinking way too late. Do not tell Andrew Huberman. But I wanted to recommend a movie for you guys. Um, cinema nowadays. Cinema in 2022. And it seems like it'll be a little better next year, but we'll see. Uh, has been shit. It's been shit. It's been really bad. So when I hear or see a good movie, especially a good movie that that checks the like diversity box, right? Checks the big actor box. Checks the... Uh, from a mainstream platform box, right? Like any of those things, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. But being that I'm in the Christmas spirit, we decided to watch a Christmas movie the other night and we watched this one called Spirited. So let's check this out here. Uh, it's Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell and a handful of other people doing kind of a, a Christmas carol type of type of spin, which is actually really creative. It's a really cool concept, really cool show. Um, and they did so many things well with this. Let's watch the trailer real quick and then we'll dive into what I liked about this Movie. I'm your ghost of Christmas present. Like a Christmas carol? On a bitter, cold Christmas Eve, one dark soul is selected for redemption by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. A tradition that continues to this very night. Like a Christmas carol? Yes, yes. If you would just let me get this out. Sit. So out of all the people on the planet, murderers, people who do gender reveal parties, I'm the guy you're going to haunt. You know what? Forget it. I told you, the guy is a level 20 pain in the dickens. Come on, I can take this guy. I'm your ghost of Christmas present. La, 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 la. I'm not watching your dramatic re -encrapment. Hey, I'm haunting you. You can't just... Run away from me when I'm haunting you. Hello? I believe he can be a positive force for mankind. And he's got his hands all over everything. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Maude, are you texting HR? No. People don't change. We got a runner! That's just fun to watch. I'm here to change him to being a more positive force for humanity. <laughs> Clint. <laughs> Clint. Yeah. You Photoshop yourself into these pictures of my executive VP? I don't think so. Oh, you want that. What I want is for you to shut up and let me do my job. Is there a ghost of Christmas Grumpy? Because you could do that job. <laughs> where real change begins. Oh, oh, that's, oh, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, no, no, he's fine. He's good. Well, he's well, not a real anyway. Spirited. Spirited on Apple TV. Guys, fantastic show. And here's the thing. Like I said, I check those boxes, the diversity box and the big actor box, and you think it's going to be really safe. It's actually a really cool concept for a show. And the funny thing is, like it was, the casting is super, super diverse. And just like when diversity is done well, you don't even think about it. It's just like, wow, of course everyone is different fucking colors, right? It's just how the world is. And of course, people that are dancing in the background of this movie look like they went to Juilliard, which means they're incredibly diverse and incredibly talented. It's just one of those things where it's like, you no, know, no one even brings it up one single time because that's just normal. 
And I love that. I love that about it. I love the concept. I think Ryan Reynolds did a great job. I mean, there are Christmas tropes in there, and yes, and you get some growth, and it's some fun, and some character development, and it's great. It's great. There's some twists in there. Fantastic. Cannot recommend it enough. I also love they did they did a really good job with like making it kid appropriate while also also having like adult jokes in there, uh, which is really good. So if you want to watch it with your kids, I recommend it. I know that most of you, or many of you, are like me, where it's like there's a lot. If anything comes out new, it's like oh my god, I'd rather just watch Elf if I want to watch a Will Ferrell Christmas movie because Elf is a great movie. But um, sometimes it's nice to mix it up, and when something is good, which is so rare, I've got to bring it up on the show. So check out Spirited Guys, fantastic show. Loved it for the holidays. When something's new in the holidays, I mean, there's so many of these that are bad. I think that a um, a good one deserves a little bit of love and a little bit of Christmas cheer. Also, I'm wearing this hat right now uh, by uh, Muscadine Bloodline. It's a band that I'm a really big fan of. I'm just giving lots of shout-outs out here. I'm in the giving spirit right now. Um, for Muscadine Bloodline, listen... Fantastic band. Check them out if you haven't already. Buy some merch. If you want to, if you have a someone out there in your life that's maybe a country music fan, like real country music, not bullshit, not Florida Georgia Line, not those pussies. Like that's that's something else. Like Florida Georgia Line is fucking garbage. If you like Florida Georgia Line, I don't have respect for you. I'm sorry. And that one guy who came out with that other song that's like from Florida Georgia Line, it's like five foot nine. It's like the dumbest fucking shit ever. It's like that's my culture, bro. Like I grew up in, I grew up listening. I grew up on country music, and you got this fucking ass hat. I mean, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna let's 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 listen to a little bit of this real quick. Now I'm now I'm heated, and this is not even where I was gonna go with this show. But goddamn, let's just listen to this real quick. Uh, five, what is it? Five foot nine. Oh, it's by Tyler Hubbard. This guy, dude. This guy looks like a fucking tampon. Anyways, let's go. Let's listen to the words of this beautiful masterpiece. Jack makes good whiskey. Okay, Jack makes good whiskey. Red dirt makes good riding roads. Red dirt makes good Country riding roads. First off, as someone from who who's from the red dirt part of the world, sometimes those roads ride like absolute shit. That's why they're fun. You see what I'm saying? They don't make paved roads make for good riding roads. Red dirt roads are something else, but you wouldn't know that. Because you have zero experience living the life that you sing about, right? And the people that listen to your bullshit music also don't. Let's continue. Good music. I think you said country makes good music. This is this is songwriting. Like this is songwriting. Somebody, so, a, a, multiple adults, likely adult men, wrote this shit, right? Like a room of people wrote this garbage. Let's continue. Kicking up dust in a tail light glow. Okay, kicking up dust, tail lights, okay. Dry wood makes good fire. Dry wood makes good fires, guys, if you didn't know. Good years make good swings. Good years make good swings. Now, I know somebody was like, mm, good years make good tires is a little on the nose. Let's throw a twist in there and say good years make good swings. All that's all good but for me. All that's all God good but for me. I want to kill myself. Jesus fucking H Christ. This isn't like, can you imagine, can you imagine listening to this somewhere that's not on a boat? 
Like on a boat, you can get a, get a little leeway for listening to shit music because you're kind of stuck out there. But fucking A, man. Is that even, I mean, let's just keep it going. Let's just see how, how much worse it gets. God makes the good stuff. So you're playing Virtue Signal there. Nice. It's all the trips. You're pulling up in your truck in the gravel drive, buddy. Let's go. The way she dances with the raindrops. Like she's the reason why they fall from the sky. <laughs> and I thank him every time I close my eyes. This is the dumbest shit I've ever. Okay, now let's, let's go listen. Okay. All right. Now let's listen to these fools, all right? Oh man, what's this? What's a good one here? Let's find. Let me see if I can find one that I'm really. I mean, this is one of their new hits. This isn't even one of their best songs, but this is one of their new hits. Cussing. Is there a, you are you guys noticing a difference or is it just me? If it's just me, that's one thing. But I mean, let's let's try another one here. say connor it's a little soft for me i like country but this is a little soft it's a little lovey-dovey well let's check this shit out real quick girl i hope daddy, daddy doesn't, doesn't own a gun if he doesn't i'm done from the things that you're doing to me you run the coop and you rule the rules with a shake till your sugar they don't serve a dairy queen You broke the book 
that's me on you. Black, white, on rice, and your mama jump a lie, you ain't had in a while. Me on you. Black, black, on that bad, I'm out of Mississippi, she ain't running for miles. Well, I know, you know, you're going to control of me, and there's nothing that I can do. To the break, down to the cows, come home, I'll be right where you want me to be, and that's me on you. So what I'm trying to say here is, if you've got country music fans in your life, somewhere, doing something, buy them a goddamn Muscadine Bloodline album or some tickets or something, a hat, because they're some of the best doing it right now in the, in the game. They're some of the best doing this shit in the game right now, and I'm not joking, I'm serious. And country music is something I actually care a lot about. Just like modern movies, and it, like it can be turned into absolute dog shit and like the, the 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 guys from florida georgia line those two tampons that dance around like those guys aren't making country music they're making southern pop perhaps i think that's like it's a fucking boy band dude and when you look at like all the people that are out here you know what i mean that are doing real country music that these guys aren't even they don't even have a label like they're independent like muscadine bloodlines fucking independent that's huge you know they're like the crystal and sauger of goddamn country music and i love it and they make it a point and they're talented and they're really fucking nice guys. I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm, 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 on, I'm dick riding here a little bit, but Jesus, man, it's just, I get so excited when I see somebody doing it good. I like Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson's probably, he's the Garth Brooks of our era. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, you got some people doing great stuff out there, but these no talent fucking auto-tuned hacks take all the space because they're, they're, they're singing chicken McNugget shit, dude. It's not real food. Chicken McNuggets aren't real food. But they taste good. And they're catchy and they're addictive, right? But like, does it, do you feel anything? Do you feel something? So I'll tell you right now, if you're listening to real country music, you feel something, right? I said the same thing about house music. You can have some shit, but you can have some real shit. You know what I mean? Anyways, guys, cannot recommend checking out Muscadine Bloodline enough. They're on tour right now. Um... Go see them. Even if you've never heard their shit. Listen to it, obviously, but then go see them. Anyways, that's my country music rant. We can keep going on this, guys. If you're in the Patreon you want to bring up some shitty country music, I'll, I'll review it on the show. I, it, I take it personally because it is my culture. It is. Like, I know white people don't have that much culture, but I love golf and I love country music. So sue me, right? Jesus fucking A. All right, anyways, moving on. I think it's time for us to dive into... Uh, the state of things get into some some real news or news adjacent activities i don't know we'll see we'll see what we're getting into donald motherfucking trump people never change People never change, baby. I love it. Our boy Donald Trump is back in the game. He's announced for president. He's riding high. People are taking him serious. <sighs> and you expect maybe he's going to go for a second term glow up here. You know what I'm saying? Like he's really going to put in the time. Maybe he's going to think about, maybe he's going to ask himself, you know, Donnie, how am I being seen right now? How can I really resonate, communicate, and empathize with the American people? Maybe he's asking himself those difficult questions. So when he comes out and he says, I've got a major announcement, I think, man, let's see what he has to say. Let's see what he's got for us. Major announcement. Because Trump would never gas us up for nothing. He always delivers, baby. That's Trump. That's our boy Donnie right there. He always 
delivers for us. And I'll be damned if he didn't prove me right with his Donald Trump digital trading cards. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important (laughs) announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. Or golf with you and a group of your friends at one of my beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. We're doing a lot. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community, and I think it's something you're going to like, and you're going to like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts, so you can buy them with your credit card or crypto. All you need is an email address. Go to collecttrumpcards.com and buy your Trump digital trading cards right now before they are all gone, and they will be gone. This is my first official Trump trading card NFT collection, and you get a chance to meet me. Go to collecttrumpcards.com right now, and remember, Christmas is coming, and this makes a great Christmas gift. No purchase necessary. I am just... I'm. I'm not surprised. That's the thing. I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Like that's, I, <laughs> it's just, this is Trump. That's why I don't understand. Like this is embarrassing and amazing. And that's the thing. He was right. They did sell out and he made like $4 million. And that was to him, not his campaign. It'd be one thing if it was his campaign. It was like a fun, like, oh, let's make a bunch of stupid ass NFTs that are a hundred bucks and do a raffle and we'll raise some money for the campaign. This was his private, this is a private Trump endeavor. This is like Trump stakes, Trump university. It's a private Trump endeavor that this money and this crypto went to his accounts, right? His personal accounts. Now, a lot of his campaign finance uh, 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 fuckery there also led to to your money that you donated to him going to his accounts. But this was just a straight up cash grab. Now you say, well, $4 million is a lot of money. And yeah, $4 million is a lot of money to me or to you. But what kind of billionaire debases himself for $4 million, right? Like this is, who thought this was a good idea? You know, and I pull up Sagers here because I wanted to, his, his, uh, he posted this and it's like, he says, Merry Christmas, Patriots. Here's some Trump NFTs you never asked for. They did sell out though. They did sell out. Uh, Johannes Papa says, this is the most hilarious shit of all time. Lade Norton says, good God. This is my man really said he was better than Lincoln in Washington. <laughs> People think it's a deep fake. It says this has to be some kind of deep fake technology. No, uh, no one tell me if it is though. It is perfect. I mean, this is just, it's insane, dude. It's absolutely wild. And it's, I mean... <laughs> The funny thing is people were like, people were baffled. People were, I mean, I am, I was surprised, but at the end of the day, it's not out of character, right? Like this is, this is the guy. And for a lot of people, this is like, wow, he's really strayed from his, you know, he's, he's, he's 
undermining his legacy with this. For many of us, like me, maybe I'm not, maybe we're in the minority, but this is the motherfucker we saw the whole time. I never quit seeing the guy from The Apprentice, even when he was president. He was just the guy from The Apprentice being president. Was he legitimately elected? Yes. Did he win? Yes. Why? Because Hillary Clinton is the worst candidate that's ever existed on the face of the fucking planet. Yeah. I mean, I think that my, a, a can of liquid death could beat Hillary Clinton in an election. It's also delicious. But yeah, so, I mean, we look at this whole thing, and it's like, Jesus Christ, man, this guy did, a, did an NFT raffle, you know? And he's just, he's a huckster, dude. Like, it, he's just charlatan. That's what, it's, it's, it's all been fake this whole time. And we saw that. And it's like, oh, you you must be on the left. Oh, you're just shilling for Biden and the Democratic National. It's like, really? Really? All you motherfuckers that said that, all of you, all, all the MAGA folks that called me all kinds of things for, for seeing this Trump, for seeing real Trump the whole time, for not being having the wool pulled over my eyes when it came to this motherfucker, like that's, this is where we're at. He's the same guy he's always been. End of fucking story. And that person is a joke. We are not a serious country anymore, right? We can't be a serious country with this guy. You see what I'm saying? Is any the, like think about how other countries see us, right? And I know that you think that maybe maybe you think we're American and fuck everybody else. Well, that shit ain't gonna fly much more, much longer. Okay, that attitude got us to where we are today. Congratulations, American exceptionalism. That makes so much fucking sense. But think about how other countries, some of which are better than this one. Oh, ouch! How they see us. And you just have a clown president who paints himself orange to not look his age, who just released a bunch of digital trading cards is how he saw it. Now, they sold that. I'm curious how many people are going are gonna to expect something to show up in the mail, right? They should at least send some kind of like QR code or something because all the boomers that spend $100 on this. And I'll be tr- honest, I almost bought like two or three of them. I was like, this is going to be hilarious. I'm going to send one of these to some friends as a joke, you know? I just didn't think it was worth $300 to do so. I don't give a shit that the money was going to Trump. I thought that was kind of hilarious. And it's a, it's funny. It's funny if you're an unserious person, right? Tim Dillon made an NFT. And it was hilarious. I think he got, he got like five grand for it, which is probably worth like $34 now because it was crypto. So it's like, that was funny. And he's a comedian. I think it was, a, was it an NFT of him dressed up as Meghan McCain? It was hilarious. But like, there's something about <laughs> the president of the United States that means something right? It's like being like the quarterback of a football team. That means that you're in this position and you have a different responsibility than many other people. And Trump has never taken that responsibility seriously. He's never, he never has. And so with that, with that, it's like, well, how much am I supposed to give a fuck? You know, how much am I supposed to trust somebody who doesn't even take themselves seriously enough to maybe not debase yourself for $4 million, right? But then again, I saw this person the whole time. So this, for me, is just confirmation of my pre-existing beliefs. Minus the bias. I don't have to even, like, it's not even a stretch to say this guy's a fucking clown. You know, I've been saying we went from a clown president to a corpse president. And even back then, I was like, it's a, it's a choice between a clown and a corpse. And, and he's done nothing. I mean, I mean, I don't have a problem with live golf, Right. And Trump does have beautiful golf courses. I think that live golf has actually made golf better. 
Uh, I think the PGA having all these players by the balls was inappropriate. I think people playing in tournaments, even if they didn't make, and not getting paid unless they made the cut, while the while the the head of the PGA is making sixteen million dollars a year. Yeah, I don't really give a fuck. I don't think that the PGA is like some kind of morally righteous organization. That being said, I don't think that the former president of the United States should be taking money from the Saudis for golf tournaments at his uh, resorts. Is that weird to me? The same people that are all up in arms about Hunter Biden and Burisma and corruption don't bring up Jared Kushner. Don't bring up Trump getting money from the Saudis being completely owned by the Saudis, right? It's one of the things that we can do as being principled actors is actually call out that bullshit on both sides. Be like, hey, Burisma and Biden and the Saudi family and the Trump family, all of those things are our problem. And I would actually say, to be honest, the Saudi relationship concerns me more. It concerns me more. Um... And I say that because I don't think that a Republican in office would have changed much with what's going on with Ukraine. You see the majority of the Republican Party is, is, is right on board with throwing as much money as Ukraine as possible because they're owned by Lockheed and Raytheon, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at this, like this, to me, this, I, I don't know if it's a grab them by the pussy moment type of deal, but I, I just can't see real people taking this person seriously. And DeSantis has just become the darling of everybody. And I think that DeSantis is probably going to be like a George W. Bush type figure, if I had to guess. I'd, I have serious doubts about voting for him, but we'll see. We'll see what he has to say. He has, to, he has a lot of questions to answer, as you guys know. Um, but to, 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 to pull me off of voting for third party in two years is going to take two years of real effort from these people. But this is this is fantastic. I just, I like, it just, you love to see it. You just absolutely love to see, like, reality shoved in your face, especially for the MAGA folks out there that have been talking so much shit. Dinesh D'Souza, watch this video over and over again and look at the person that you cucked out for, you fucking loser. My pillow guy is actually the only person that I can think of that's a bigger clown than Trump in this moment. But he's truth in it. He's truth in it. And that's... um. That's where we're at. <laughs> All right, Twitter files, y'all. Twitter files have been released, and here's what, here's what we're going to do today. We are going to talk about the Twitter files conceptually, uh, and I'm going to recommend that you go and you subscribe to Matt Taibbi's Substack. Uh, you can also check out uh, the Free Press from Barry Weiss. Um, also out there at the Free Press, uh, bring me on board. Yeah, I'm open to it. Um, anyway, so... The Twitter files. I really wanted to just talk about them as I've been keeping up with this mostly through Taibi, but I've read, I mean, I can't, I don't even know how many articles and they're all long as shit, but I've been trying to keep up with what's going on here and, and trying to understand and zoom out and just kind of look at the broader picture here and look at what we're, the implications of this and, and how this is going to play long-term, what it means, where we've seen it before. And I think when we look at the whole situation, what, what stresses me out the most, what really concerns me the most is the connection to the FBI and the intelligence community, um, which really makes up a large 
portion of the deep state, right? Like these institutional actors um, for institutions that we've long lost trust in that have proven themselves to be inadequate, um, incompetent, uh, and malicious in many cases. Uh, these organizations are are, deci- are policing speech. I mean, they're looking at very low follower, low engagement accounts, um, having them banned, uh, reporting misinformation. They, they're in bed with Twitter. They're in bed with fucking Instagram. I'm shadow banned so fucking hard. I'm on what some kind of blacklist on Instagram. And here's the thing. They'll never admit it. We're, we're acting as if this is just a Twitter thing. This is a Twitter thing, an Instagram thing, a YouTube thing. It's wild. It's fucking wild. And it's disgusting. And it's, it's, it's unjust. That being said, when I look at it and it's like, yeah, this is a very, the way it shook out this time is very partisan. But when we look at any of this stuff and we think about, let's just think about the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment. They're going to use whatever they can to get votes. The incentives of that market they exist in push them towards getting votes by whatever means necessary. If that means that no voter ID, if if no voter ID is better for the Democrats, the Democrats want it. If voter ID checks are better for the Democrats, the Democrats want that. It's not a principled decision. It's what will help them, right? Restricting voters, making it harder to vote is better for Republicans. So Republicans want to make it harder to vote. Making it easier to vote is better for Democrats. So Democrats want to make it easier to vote. There's no principle in that. That's 100% self-serving, um, narcissistic, cultural expression. Like That's what that is, 100%. It's Machiavellian in a certain way. So when I see that, yes, the, the way the Twitter files have been shared definitely show a partisan lean one way or the other, I do want to zoom out from that and, and, and really look at this and say, and this is not... Believe me, I'm not letting the fucking Democrats off the hook. It's fucking gross, and I hate it. Like what they did here is is inexcusable, and the and the entitlement in doing so is probably the worst part. The fact that they felt entitled to be able to do what they've done at Twitter and on social media in policing our discourse when they have a track record that looks like absolute shit when it comes to being right about things. I mean, hey, do you trust the people who brought you the food pyramid? Like, give me a fucking break. I, we live in a psyop. Like, this is a joke. This is an absolute joke. And and will Meta be called? Called in and asked how they're doing things? Because I know if they turned off their shadow ban shit, I'd have 30,000 followers fucking tomorrow. And that's hurting my lifestyle. I'm having to reevaluate my entire business to be go around these motherfuckers. Right? And I'm not even a conservative. But I, have a, some, I share some opinions with some conservatives, and that's enough. That's enough to call me a right-wing extremist and put me on a blacklist. I appreciate it, Instagram. I appreciate it. I hope your whole... Oh, you know what? I can't say that. Never mind. Anyways, moving back to Twitter files, uh, <laughs> getting out of my personal life. I look at this and I think, okay, it's kind of like a two-way McCarthyism, right? Like you're seeing, and we've seen this a lot, like fascist, insurrectionist, groomer, racist, whatever. It's like all of these, we're just throwing insults at each other, accusing people of all kinds of things. And what it seems like is, is think about back in the, the kind of the second Red Scare in the 1940s and 50s, you had this uh, McCarthy era where people were being accused of being gay or being socialist or being communist all the time in Hollywood, in government, all kinds of shit. And when we look at this and we think about the way that our world is shaking out now, it's kind of like that on both sides. And both sides have a little bit of leverage. When it comes to tech, Democrats have the, the most leverage. But in other areas, Republicans have a shit ton of leverage, right? If you think that oil and gas companies don't do what they can to make Joe Biden look bad, I got a fucking bridge to sell you, my dude. Like it's, there, There's industry captured by politics and there's politics captured by industry. It's a circle jerk of bullshit, right? And you know who gets fucked in this circle jerk? Me and you. Right? It's a big club, and we 
ain't in it. So let's break down McCarthyism, and I want to show you some of those just the the, the the similarities here. So McCarthyism is the practice of making false or unfounded accusations of subversion and treason, especially related to anarchism, communism, and socialism, and especially when done in a public and attention-grabbing manner. What does that sound like? Um, the term originally referred to controversial practices and policies of U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy, who allegedly liked uh, liked boys. And I mean boys, not men. Um, and has its origins in the period of the United States known as the Second Red Scare, lasting from the late 1940s through the 1950s. It was characterized by heightened political repression and persecution of left-wing individuals and a campaign spreading fear of alleged communism and socialism or interference in on American institutions and of the espionage of Soviet agents. After the mid-1950s, McCarthyism began to decline, mainly due to Joseph McCarthy's gradual loss of public popularity and credibility after several of his accusations were found out to be false and sustained opposition from the U.S. Supreme Court led by Chief Justice Earl Warren on human rights grounds. The Warren Court made a series of rulings on the civil and political rights that overturned several key laws in legislative districts and helped bring the end to the Second Red Scare. So tell me that what we have going on right now isn't a version of, of, of mirror McCarthyism, right? A lot of this, when it comes to social media and this public displays, are aimed at, at these at accusations, unfounded accusations of whatever the convenient ism is of the time thrown at people that are con- even, even calling someone a conservative is an insult in many cases. Like people have been calling Matt Taibbi a conservative journalist, and he's not. He's on the left. Right, he's in that like. There's me and him and 14 other people on the on that version of the left. Right, <laughs> it's very odd. It's very odd. Um, I would put us all on the politically homeless left, but hey, it is what it is. But yeah, we're we're in here and we're looking at this and we're thinking, all right, like this is huge. And this came from a U.S. senator. It came from an institution. So when we see things like Yoel Roth here saying eh, it happens, I'm a big believer in calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meeting became very interesting to people and there weren't meeting names generic enough to cover. So what he's saying is he can't, he's having a hard time faking his case calendars public to the, to the company. And he's having trouble putting in fake names that sound believable enough when he's meeting with the fucking FBI. Uh, he says very boring business meeting. That's definitely not about Trump winky face. Pretty much definitely not the meeting with the FBI. I swear. That's from Slack. And this guy, other person says, laugh my ass off. So this guy's meeting with fucking the FBI about Trump, about Trump tweets. Like they're obsessed with this shit, right? And they find a way to ban him, even though they admitted in their Slack channels that it was a problem and that he hadn't really, he hadn't technically overstepped the the community guidelines. They were uh, accusing him of overstepping. It's just a weird deal. And I don't defend Trump. You guys know how I feel about the guy. I just went on a fucking rant, but like the dude should have been taken off of Twitter. That first head of state to ever be taken off Twitter. That's insane. And some heads of state say some crazy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the way that Matt framed this, I really thought was important because again, I'm, I'm more concerned about the FBI, CIA, these, those institutions than I am about the DNC and the RNC because they would, they would, they don't have principles, right? They've, they, their sole focus is getting votes, getting reelected. That's it. So they're gonna. If it was the Republicans that had this same leverage, they would have used it in the same way, and they would be defending it in the same way that the that the Democrats are now. There isn't a principle there. That being said, I'm very honest in saying yes. This was pressure from the left suppressing voices, mostly on the right. Clear and plain as fucking day. 
not I'm not contesting that in any stretch of the imagination. I just think if it was if it was reversed politically, the exact mirror op- uh, the mirror image of what's happening now would be happening then, right? There's another fork in the metaverse, right? <laughs> where where that happened? When in the, uh, excuse me in the in the multiverse, there's a little fork where the Republicans have Twitter on their side, and we're in the exact opposite of what we are now. But the fun thing is, if you're saying the same thing, regardless of whether it was Republicans or Democrats, well, my friend, you might have principles. Weird, right? So Matt framed this in a really interesting way. He says, this is, a, this is a chance for ordinary Americans to see from the inside how their tax dollars have been spent to building an elaborate, systemat- systemized method of censorship and opinion control. Think about that, opinion control, with agencies like DHS, the DOJ, FBI at the helm. These enforcement agencies are not fighting or investigating crime or even, say, terror plots. They're just collecting domestic intelligence on a grand scale and seeing how to distort the public's perception of reality through mass moderation via programs we're being told little to nothing about or being told they're, frankly, conspiracy theories. Right, which is also a term crafted by the same blob in the intelligence community to uh, discourage people from asking questions about the JFK assassination. That's where the term conspiracy theorist comes from. And what I think when I look at this whole situation with the Twitter files, I think and 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 the rich people out there, the 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 super um, you know the super wealthy the don't don't hate something because it's big and successful, right? Like those folks, which has been a justification for like not applying antitrust laws um, for so long. But this is why I think antitrust enforcement is really important. Republicans will never do this, by the way. Republicans are too cowardly and lack too many principles to actually um, enforce antitrust. And the, and the Supreme Court will say that literally anything is fucking legal for corporations to do by elections, mistreat their employees, you know, uh, bonus themselves out on fucking, um, on bailouts. Like there's the, the, the Supreme court is just gobbling up corporations dicks. That's what's happening. I mean, that's what they've been doing for years and years and years. We get all butthurt about like Roe versus Wade and whatever, whatever. But like at the end of the day, they have a job and it's to get on their knees for corporations and tell them, yes, daddy. Yes. You can do whatever you want, daddy. That's what that that's that's what Amy Coney Barrett's job is. Right? That's that's what they do. It's fucking gross. It's embarrassing and they should be ashamed of themselves. Right? It doesn't matter too. I mean, I can uh, Sotomayor, doesn't matter. Anybody. I don't know. What's the other guy's name that's on there that was that, that was like I don't know, boofing or something, that fucking guy? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the same people with the same they have so much overlap. They're a uniparty just like the Democrats and the Republicans. It's a fucking joke. And they keep us torn up over fucking bullshit. But at the end of the day, you know, they're giving Hummers to corporations. That's that's the role of the Supreme Court in our modern politics. It's gross. Anyways, but when we look at this whole thing, this is why I think antitrust enforcement is super fucking important when it comes to social media platforms and media outlets in general. Because if we think, just think about this. Without the amount of leverage that they had, it's these gigantic conglomerations. They wouldn't have been able to shut Parler down, right? Think about think about how much different different Instagram would be if it was never acquired by Facebook or anybody else. It was its own company, right? 
Now, all mergers and acquisitions are by nature anti-competitive, so there is a line to be drawn there. But when it comes to public uh, dissemination of information, if Instagram was its own entity, Twitter was its own entity, WeChat, right? All of these different social media companies, by not letting them gobble each other up and turn into these mega corporations like Meta that own so much shit, like Coca-Cola, you can't eat, like anything that's up and coming that would be competitive, they just buy it. They just buy it. And if you don't support competition in that way, you're not a fan of capitalism. You're a fan of cronyism, right? You're a fan of an oligarchy. That's what you're, that's what, that's what you're in support of. If you're going to cuck out and say, no, why would you punish success, brah? Why would you punish success? I'm a libertarian, brah. I think we should all be successful. I would like to make a billion dollars, brah. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Shut up. Don't talk like that. Get your shit together. Think about this. There's way bigger things at play here. So if we look at the whole thing and we say, hey, we could look at this, we could break this down. And that way Facebook doesn't have control over Instagram and, and Twitter doesn't have control over WeChat. All these other things, we don't have that. So there's actual competition. We can look at them one at a time and they can compete with one another when it comes to moderation and what's the appropriate amount of moderation. They can try different things. Oh my God, am I a capitalist? Oh my God, am I talking about the power of the market? Weird how that works, right? Weird how it works and can be applied but those mergers never should have been allowed to go through. And that's why I like Lena Khan. I don't think Lena Khan, who's in charge of that now in the Biden administration, probably the best person in that administration, is actually holding people's foot to the fire and asking real questions, right? Which why nobody on the right wants to talk about her. Except for a handful of populists that are actually down with what she has to say. So it's interesting to me to look at that and say, hey, you know, um, it's, it's, it's important. It matters. It matters. I also think there should be legislation that says, if I appeal, there needs to be transparency, and I want to have a conversation with a person. Right now on Instagram, I've been accused of uh, nudity. That was not, I don't know what, I don't even know what they're talking, like I can't even watch the video they're accusing me of nudity in. It was also two years ago, and it was a, it was a post like this one that you're watching right now. So it's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I I don't, I don't, I don't think I was nude or talked about nudity or sexual exploitation, um, at all in that video. And I don't know why it's being flagged for that, but it doesn't really matter because I appeal to an AI and it tells me, oh, it's upheld. Sorry. Nothing you can do. Can I appeal again to a real person? No, sorry. We can't do that. Should that be legal? Can you shut me down for something I didn't do? And I can't even appeal to a real person. Should that be fucking legal? They also got me for self-harm. For encouraging self-harm by making a metaphor, because we were talking about circumcision in the comments, and actually a pretty friendly conversation. And the guy was, we were kind of joking back and forth. And he says, "Hey man, if you you know circumcised dicks are way better for for getting blowjobs." And I was like, "I disagree." Um, being uncircumcised, but I was like, "That's like saying if you cut off your hand to be better at football." Like, and then they flagged that and gave me a content of uh, a community guidelines violation for uh, self-harm for self-harm, for encouraging self-harm by saying that's like, metaphor or analogy, whatever the fuck it is, cutting off your hand and saying that makes you better at football. Weird, right? Weird. That's why it matters. That's why getting involved here matters. That's why reforming 230 matters. But it's so partisan, it's so divided there's this constant tug of war and we just can't really get through it. So right now we're stuck in 
The only thing worse than actual McCarthyism, which is just two-way McCarthyism, just accusing each other of things that may or may not be true, but it doesn't matter because news cycles are short and things can go viral. <sighs> Weird times, guys. Weird times, but... That's where I'm at with the Twitter files. Lots of stuff, lots of great information. Make sure to check out the free press and make sure to subscribe to Matt Taibbi. I'm sure he's making hella money right now after all this, but uh, I'm stoked for him. I'm happy for him. He does a great job. I mean, he's just, he articulates things in such an amazing way. I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm super grateful to have him as a journalist in my, uh, in my literal uh, content consumption cycle. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Element, yeah baby. Element, guys, we do it all the time. We're here again in December when it maybe have cooled off a little bit where you're at. I don't know. I don't know where you are. You could be in a different hemisphere for all I know, but probably it's cooled off for you because you're probably in America, right? And you may not be drinking enough water, you know, or maybe you're in that vibe where you want some hot cocoa. You know what I mean? But you're like, God, I need some sugar. I don't want to let myself go before New Year's. I don't want to be looking like shit going in 2023, dog. And I'm like, yeah, I feel you, man. So anyways, I think you should get some Element. I think you should go to drink Element, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Wanders. Link is in the show notes. And get yourself a, um, get some chocolate. Chocolate mint, chocolate caramel is really good. Chocolate, chocolate, it's all good. Mix that with a little bit of uh, maybe a little steamed half and half or a little steamed uh, whole milk. Um, raw, preferably just a splash of that element, chocolate of some sort, water, hot, about 198 degrees, stir that up, sip on that. It'll help you curve cravings. It'll give you that chocolate, chocolate goodness. Give you a little bit of salt, a little magnesium, the things you need, right? And you can have a nice, warm, sugarless beverage on a cold winter night with your family that you may or may not like. And that's okay to not like your family. Not liking your family is part of life, but you got to stay hydrated. You've got to stay hydrated and stay sharp. Do it for yourself. Do it for the people. Do it for the Lord. Drinkelement.com slash wanders. If you order a pack with that going through that link, you're going to get a free variety pack on the other side of that. And what you can do with that variety pack, if you order soon enough and get it before Christmas, is just put them in people's stockings, man. Wrap them up. You know, nobody needs to know that the variety pack is free. You forgot to buy a gift for somebody. You did. I know you're anxious about that. Get a few boxes of Element for your fit friends, friends that are into fitness and shit, friends that are trying to lose some weight going into, going into the new year. You know somebody out there, Aunt Linda. Aunt Linda's fat as hell. Get her some element. She needs to sort her shit out. You know what I mean? And if you want to give her the free variety pack, be my guest. Drinkelement.com slash wanders. We all win. You get what you want. Aunt Linda gets some salty water that maybe she could drink instead of, you know, root beer or whatever the hell she's drinking. Get her shit together. And I can look good for element. Maybe they'll keep buying ads in the show. But anyways, drinkelement.com slash wanders. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders. She links in the show notes. Click that. Get a free variety pack with your order. I love you. And now let's get back to the show. Well, guys, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who's known for, I think, fucking coaches at her CrossFit gym, <laughs> is upset. Marjorie Taylor Greene is so upset. Um, and, I, you know, there's a serious injustice here. 
There's a serious injustice here. Let's 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 see what she just tweeted out. Um, at Walmart, many of your customers in my district are reaching out to me about sex toys being sold in your Dalton store. They're extremely upset and absolutely horrified that sex toys are being sold openly right next to children's toothbrushes. This is grooming. Um, first off, this is not grooming. <laughs> but second of all, we've got these here, uh, these plus one toys. Now, if you look at these boxes here, for those of you that can't see, I'm going to kind of describe them. If you don't know what this already is, if you don't have a firm understanding of what this already is, then you don't know what it is when you look at the box. It says plus one and it has like an, a silhouette of what's in there. Uh, by the way, plus one has been a sponsor of my wife's content before. She really enjoys the air pulsing arouser. Uh, but anyways, we got a lot of things in here. We got the vibrating stroker. I mean, it's a kind of a, you know. But I think when you look at these, it's not like some woman getting herself off on the cover. It doesn't look like porn. It doesn't look like it's, there's lube, um, KY, it, lifestyle. It's like this is in the condom section, right? Now, if you're at a small Walmart, I can see how toothbrushes and condoms kind of go in the same aisle. It's fine. But this is nothing to be ashamed of. Like, this little vibrating butt plug is great. I think I've actually used that one. It's fantastic. Not on myself, but you know what I mean. It's like these, this wand here, use that. Air pulsing arousers right there. Uh, I think we actually have that cock ring. I've never used it before. But, yeah, it's like this is, this doesn't look inappropriate. This is far from grooming. And from somebody who can't keep her mouth off her CrossFit coach's dick, I don't really think that she has a, a moral high ground here. Right? I really don't. I, I don't understand why she thinks this is actually appropriate. And if we look down and keep going to this thread, it says selling sex toys openly where children are exposed to them is wrong, inappropriate, immoral, indecent, perverted, shameful, and incredibly harmful to children. Is it? Is it? Why is Walmart participating in the grooming and sexualization of children? Is this in all stores or just Dalton? I don't care how big your corporation is, how much money you have, or how powerful your lobby is, how big and powerful your political influence is. I just don't care. I don't care who you are. I will always firmly stand up for what is right and do everything I can to protect children or protect kids. Excuse me. Yeah. Again, I don't really think that Walmart is all that concerned um, with what you have to say. I don't think this is going to, you're trying, you're, this is thirsty. You're putting this out there because you want retweets and you want attention because this is the thing. Walmart has been selling dildos forever. And to be completely honest with you, what it looks like to me is that the person who represents the target market for said Walmart dildos is upset about them being next to the children's toothbrushes. I can't think of somebody who embodies the target demographic for Walmart dildos more than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like really. Maybe some 400 pound person in like a motorized cart would be like a more of a, a in there as well. But I think that firmly it's like, White trash lady who's always upset about something. That's the target demographic for Walmart dildos. And that is Marjorie Taylor Greene. It says, the district I represent, Georgia 14, is firmly opposed to any and all grooming and sexualization of children. It is largely Christian and conservative. We believe in protecting our kids from perversions and raising them with good moral family values at the best, as the be to the best of our abilities. So what the fuck does that have to do with Walmart? It's not Walmart's responsibility to adhere to your religious beliefs and ethics. Okay? If someone wants to use a vibrator or an air-posting arouser or a cock ring, they have the right to obtain that in a way. And if, market, if Walmart has a market for it, they have a right to sell it. Now, if, there's, if, there's, if someone's handing out dildos to the kids in your Sunday school group at your church, yeah, then maybe you have a conversation that needs to be had. But... <laughs> 
what you guys do is don't you just don't you just bounce around the pedophiles within other churches to other towns? Isn't that how you guys handle it? Since you're so against perversion, it's like, oh, we don't want to put them in jail. Let's bounce them to a different church. Um, on behalf of my district, I demand Walmart resolve this issue immediately. I sincerely hope this is not a common product placement in your stores that employees will be visibly uh, that the employees responsible will be reprimanded. I do not believe that repulsive grooming represents Walmart. And then uh, it's this lady, Debbie. This is the guy you had sex with while married. You were the last person that should be preaching. And this is a guy uh, doing trap bar deadlifts naked. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. And of all the things to be concerned about when it comes to Walmart, like it's the it's the vibrators. That's it. It's not that like they underpay their employees, um, that their employees work on major holidays instead of spending time with their family. Uh, none of that, right? It's not like, Pay, not that not that a bunch of their employees are actually on government assisted healthcare, so we're subsidizing their workforce while the while the uh, the Waltons, who by the way are like three generations from anybody who did any actual work, like the Waltons, are getting hella paid. They're sucking money out of small towns, sucking money out of rural America, and 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 redistributing it amongst billionaires. Right, that's what Walmart does: is sucks wealth out of small communities and redistributes it among the Waltons and their friends. That's not a that's not a problem to you, Marjorie. But the vibrators, it's the vibrators. Which, by the way, if a kid walked past this, they would not know what this was. This is not grooming. They're not putting this in the toy aisle next to bouncy balls. This is a hygiene aisle that has condoms, lube, toothbrushes, and sex toys. Which everyone again has a right to own if they would like to. You can also buy guns at Walmart. You can go get a case of Mountain Dew, jumbo Oreos, a dildo, and a firearm at Walmart. And all of those things you should be able to buy, I guess. But of all the things that I would think like, I don't know, what kills more people, vibrators, guns, Oreos, or Mountain Dew, it's clearly Oreos and Mountain Dew. So that's dangerous, right? That's dangerous. I mean, we don't need to talk about grooming kids into being addicted to sugar. That's a problem. That, that, that actually it ruins people's lives, right? I mean, I remember one time I found the dildo. I found the dildo when I was a kid. I didn't know what it was. I think I was like six, seven. I, of course, didn't know what a dildo was. And it was one of those big floppy soft ones, like a rubber dick, you know? And I hit my brother in the face with it. I slapped him right in the fucking face with this dildo. And um, it wasn't until many years later we found out that that it was a dildo, not a, not a rubber rocket ship. And um, it was being used by an old lady in a trailer. And I don't think my brother's ever recovered from that experience. But, you know, you got to get your trauma somewhere, right? And I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene's trauma comes from walking down the dildo aisle at Walmart. Okay, we're moving on into the... <laughs> God damn it. Uh, 
<laughs> we're moving on into the uh, into the Patreon portion of this episode for everybody out there. Again, not going to let anybody's last name slip out. I'm going to do my best not to. And if you join the Patreon, you don't have to put your last name in there. Just put something funny, and I'll read those. Some people put in fake names, and I enjoy that. Jeffrey says, thoughts on this video? Interesting how trans porn slash sex is dark and evil. To me, it's just another porn category. And is your cup of tea or it's not? I mean, I don't watch trans porn. But it's a big category. I mean, when I was when I was coming up in the world, I don't watch porn. I'm not a porn guy. We've been over this. Not that I'm like, oh, morally righteous. I mean, I think that you can have a healthy relationship with porn. I have a healthy relationship with cocaine, right? Like it's doable. You know, you just got to be careful with it. Um, but I don't watch porn. But I know a lot of people who do. Most people do. It's not my thing. I, I, it's like I used to have this bit about it when I did stand up, like open mics. So like uh, a guy with bad tattoos fucking someone that um, with emotional issues. It reminds me too much of my parents. It's a little hits a little too close to home. So <laughs> that was my that was my opener. But it's like really I just never have been into it. But back when I was, you know, early, early, like maybe 12, 13, when I was like looking, trying to find a titty on the internet, I would see very very commonly be chicks with dicks, you know? What we called trannies back then. Now we're called transgender. Um Chicks with dicks, that was a big category. And you would always end up there somehow. And if, if fellas, if you're out there, ladies, whatever, if you were like a young kid, didn't really know, just clicking around on your parents' computer, giving them all kinds of viruses, um, you end up on the chicks with dicks page. It's a very, very common thing. But this guy specifically, it seems like he has a, um, a proclivity. So this is from Christian Nightmares. It says, unintentionally hilarious talk with two Christian bros. This is why I had to actually completely stop watching porn and stop playing around with it. Don't play around. Um, the porn I was watching gradually as I watched over the years upon years, it just kind of got darker and darker into whack stuff I never thought I'd be watching. And I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there that are watching some porn that is, is something you never, ever thought you'd be watching. Sixth grade, um, the porn, I jumped into some weird categories, man. This is tough. <clears throat> transgenders having sex with chicks and why am I watching this stuff well because I'm opening myself up to spirits and spirits the more I watch the porn and I don't even realize it I'm opening myself up to spirits I'm watching transgender chicks fucking chicks man like what the fuck dude what the fuck you're opening yourself you can't take responsibility you can't take responsibility for the fact that you like chicks with dicks fucking chicks you like it bro you're always going to like it. It's not evil spirits. It's not the demons. It's called a kink, my man. And it's been around forever. Jesus, age Christ. Let's continue. You know, and as it gradually goes, it gets darker. And I was watching mm, transgenders having sex with like transgenders. <laughs> and I'm like. He went from transgenders having sex with chicks to then trannies fucking trannies. I love it. This guy went down the rabbit hole. This guy got into it dark and heavy early, dude. This guy was in the sixth grade already at stepmom porn. This guy went hard in the paint, and I almost respect him for it. But he's a fucking quitter. He didn't accept it about himself. That what he wants to be is laying in a sea of trannies. He wants fake titties and big old dicks. That's what he wants. You know you want it, buddy. Let's continue. Why am I watching this stuff? Because it makes your dick hard, bro. not going to be enough. Just like Ted Bundy. Eventually, the porn wasn't enough for Ted Bundy. And he started... You're going to start killing people? 
started actually doing the acts and I started doing the acts. So he started fucking trannies. He just. So your boy started. Oh, dude, this guy got into some euphoria shit, dog. Never, ever thought I'd be doing something like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Maybe and, uh, that's my, my quick, short testimony on porn and how it just dragged me to a dark place. But know this. There's good news at the end of this. I Jesus found me. I found Jesus. I started to develop a relationship with Jesus. I realized that porn was in between me and God and that I had to take a spear and shove it down the heart of porn and kill it. Just hearing this guy say shove. <laughs> oh, I love you. This guy loves shoving spears. In order to get to Jesus. Because if I left it there, and God, I'm sorry, here I go. God, I'm sorry. It's still there, right? I have to kill it by stopping. Amen, dude. And powerful testimony, dude. It takes a lot of strength to, to bring sin to light. Yes. And it's just so powerful, and I just commend you so much for that. I'm serious. Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. Foreign language for me to admit stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But this won't go on. It's a weight lifted off, though. Yeah. You know? I know. Bro. You've done what you needed to do. Bro. 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 <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, transgender porn is porn, man. There's all kinds of weird shit. Like, that's the thing about porn, too, is, like, one thing that's cool about this, and I think this is, this goes in a lot of different directions. It's like, when we really think about it, it's like, listen, sometimes you go to the extreme with it, fantasies, right? And porn is a fantasy. I think my personal uh, opinion is that you should be able to turn yourself on with your mind. I think you should be able to think and be creative. And that's what I've always done. I mean, and I don't mind being transparent about this. Like I've always used my imagination. I remember I told, I think it was my old boss this back in the day at a party. And he, we were, some porn came up somehow and like not, it was just like in passing. I was like, man, I just don't watch. I think it was somebody that was talking about a porn star that everybody knew and I didn't know who it was. And I was like, I just don't. And they're like, well, how do you get off? And I was like, I just use my imagination. And it was like I had a superpower. But it's not that hard, dude. Like you can think of all kinds of stuff. And I think in your fantasies, and when I was when I coached people, I talked a lot about this. Like, and this isn't just about sex, but in general, you can like really, especially if you have a, a meditative or a journaling a journaling practice, you can go into different experiences, like try on different experiences, right? Like really, especially, and I think that I think we're seeing a kind of a return to sex being a little bit more sacred. And I think that that that's good. I think we went. We needed to go, you know, a little bit more, uh, get a little loose with it, and then kind of come back to like, hey, let's have a little bit of respect for ourselves and that, that kind of energetic sharing that we have going on. Not about religion, not about shame, not about that. It's just like, hey, maybe I'm just gonna kind of honor myself a little bit more and how who am I exchanging energy with, sexual or not, right? And I think we need to get to that point. And I think sometimes that takes getting a little bit outside of 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 norms and trying new things out. And and when I coach people, especially women, we talk a lot about this. Like it, it, there's a big um, hurdle sometimes. And, and God, actually men are like this a lot too from my experience. It's like asking for what you need, right? Asking for what you want, even knowing what you want, knowing what to ask for. And a lot of that stuff comes from maybe it's a little bit of porn, but a lot of it's just using your imagination, like putting yourself in new environments. And I think one thing that porn can do, and this is why I, when I have watched porn, it's more about, I actually kind of watch stuff that like women like, because like there's nothing like, I don't know, just like, it just seems so impersonal. And that just wasn't, it just does, it doesn't do it for me. It just, I can't, but if I watch like, um, I used to watch this thing called Beautiful Agony. So it was called, and it was just, it was like homemade tape, like homemade stuff, actually, I do enjoy. But it was like homemade tapes, and it was just like chest up. 
And it was it was women and men, but I watched women. I watched a dude once. It was pretty interesting. But um, just to see what it was. Yeah. I was like, I've never really seen a dude come before. Weird. But um, I would watch it just watch women get themselves off. Like that was my, that was like the closest I got to like real porn. Um, and that was my thing. Right? I enjoyed that. You know, to this day, it's like one of my favorite things about life is watching a woman get off. God damn, I'm getting pretty intense here. But it's like, you know, it's like, that's, that's, that's me, you know, but I found that out through like trying different stuff out and like what really drew me to that. And you got to try things on and, and, and expl- expand your experience a little bit. And I think that's important, you know? So if this guy, I mean, apparently this guy, I think he likes sucking turning dicks. I think he might also just be gay, dude. But that's, that's the thing about Christianity. It's like, you, you don't even get this kid a chance to like talk through this. It's like, oh my God, it's bad. That's like, where it's coming from, dude. Where's it coming from inside of you? That's what, that's the question. It's coming from you, man. Like, it's just you. It's you manifesting itself in porn, but like, it's not, it's just you. So you need to really like, instead of, instead of shaming yourself and suppressing, it's like, yeah, maybe you do need to stop. Maybe it is a problem, but like there's, there's, there's something to learn about yourself in there. That's not, I need a relationship with Jesus, right? That's a cop out. There's really more to learn. And I think that that's the harder truth. I think what he's dealing with, like stopping is hard. I think the hardest thing to do is confront head on, like why he is where he is and what that says about him and his sexuality. And, um, my, my dude, I know you're young and like, you think that you've got this figured out. It's not going away. My guy It's never going away. So you can either, you're going to have to have that conversation with yourself at some point, but it ain't like this dog. This is not going to work for you. So yeah, it's, it's weird, but I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know why he thought it was so dark and evil. I think it's because it led to like the dude's just really into transgender folks. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. And it was that obsession with that, that probably kind of snap him out of it. That was probably his like rock bottom, I guess if you would say, if you're, if you live in that like shame filled life, but that being said, I think porn, especially as a couple, I think watching porn as a couple can be really fun because then you're, you're like kind of like sparking things up for your own personal life. Um, bringing more sexual energy into your relationship, which I think is really important. And I think if you're, you know, trying to figure out like a little bit more about yourself and your own sexuality, I think exploring things, uh, maybe a little bit of porn, if you don't have a problem with it, um, maybe just like self-pleasure practices, uh, being very intentional about that, like really putting yourself into a state where you're like, you're, you're, you're getting a lot out of it. It's like the high ROI. It's not like some casual bullshit and like really investing that time into yourself can be a beautiful thing. But you know, when you're, when you're so shame laden, like this kid is like, you're in the way of your own learning about yourself, you know, and you're using a, a religion to then, you know, kind of, I don't know, kind of reinforce the shame you probably already feel. It's really sad, honestly. I mean, it's, it's funny to look at this guy and like giggle at him, but like knowing what it's like to feel guilty every time you jerk off, like it sucks, dude. It's like not, it's not a, it's not a way to live life. And I remember the first time I remember like the first time I like, you know, got off and didn't feel guilty about it. It was like this really, I was like, fuck it, man. (laughs) I was probably like in my early twenties, maybe. I don't know. Um, and I just had, it took me years to get over that shit, man. And I resent the fuck out of Christianity for that, to be honest with you. I resent it so much. Cause that was like, there was some really cool connections I had with people and some really uh, interesting relationships I could have had. And that shit just got in the way. And it, it, I mean, and I don't, I don't think I'll ever not resent Christianity for it because like, well, you must've had a bad experience in the church. It's like, no dude, like that, that's, that's a, it's a stupid fucking religion in my opinion. In that way, when it comes to that, when it comes to like shaming a person's for who they are and shaming natural processes and shaming, like understanding yourself. Yeah. You can take all of that and fuck right off. 
Now there are some really great teachings of Jesus, and I'll, I I I will also say that. Like I have no problem saying that. I think Jesus was an incredible teacher, and I think that the way that his teachings have been manipulated by man and used as a form of control are fucked. So that's the difference between like Christians and the church. When I say Christians, I usually mean the Christian establishment. Like when I say Democrats, I mean the Democratic establishment. When I say Republicans, I mean the Republican establishment. I don't mean individuals. I know that you, a lot of you out there are Christians, and I don't. I, I'm I'm stoked for you to have a belief system that you care about. That being said, that can't get in my way of saying what I believe. In the same way that you may be able to shit on whatever I believe, and that's okay, right? Because I do respect you guys for committing to a belief system. That's beautiful. That can be beautiful, but. When I see, in my own experience, the shortcomings of that belief system, I have to speak to them. That's, and if I don't speak to them, then I resent myself. You see what I'm saying? So it gets to be a little bit interesting in that way. But I think, no, I think really, like, I feel for this kid. Like, which all jokes aside, like, it's, it's kind of fucked up. Moving on. Krista says, let's true crime it up, baby. She says, since we last spoke, oh, well, by the way, let's give a little context here for the, for the new folks that are trying this out. Um, so last, last week we talked about, uh, this murder in Ohio, uh, four kids, um, all were out partying, came home, somebody snuck in, killed them all. And they don't know who the hell it was. Killed them all with a knife. Fucked up. Uh, really fucked up. There were also other roommates in the house that weren't murdered. It's, it's wild. So she says, since we last spoke, still no person of interest that we know of four weeks in. Cops have a car of interest and 2,000 plus tips. No weapon has been located. It was a knife, so that's pretty easy to get rid of. Uh, private investigators have been hired because families are getting very frustrated with the lack of information. She says, I've brought this subject up several times before, but my theory is that an incel did this. Some young man who was stalking or rejected by one of the girls, likely the one that with the most severe injuries, Kaylee. I also think about how, how um, swiftly the killer moved through the house he was at least familiar with the layout and knew where to go. However, there are theories and information flying around from everywhere, so honestly, no one has a fucking clue. My question is, in time, uh, where cameras, technology, and, me- uh, and media are abundant, do you think that internet slews and a wealth of information can help or hurt investigations, and why? So we have a... She sent me over the the Facebook link here. Thank you for sharing that, Krista, but it will, I'm not in because I... Uh, didn't request soon enough, but this is kind of this Facebook group for these people. It's again, this is really sad. Um, the theory about some kind of like guy that was rejected or some kind of some dude who was really jealous, like it makes sense that the, that the person with the most extreme injuries, but then again, we just never know. Like when you start saying this, like this guy knew his way around the house, like you don't need to know your way around a house to get around a house. Like, especially college houses, like you walk down the hallway, there's a room right there. There's a room right there. There's a bathroom. There's another room. It's like, it's not hard. Um, to find your way around a house, especially if everybody's passed out drunk, you know? Um, so I think, you know, there's a little bit of projection there potentially. Um, but the person with the most severe injuries, yeah, maybe it was that. So like, that was the way, what this person was most passionate about. Um, when he, when he went in there to do whatever he or she did, um, and maybe she it didn't, you know, maybe she fought back, you know, like we don't, like, who knows? Who, who knows? Like, it could be a million different things. So uh, while I'm not following this closely, like, I'm really, skeptical, like, hesitant to say anything, like, to, to project onto it. Like, yes, it's very common. Like, the most likely thing when it comes to a school shooting or a mass shooting or people getting stabbed or, like, any of this shit, 
like some some pretty girl in an apartment building being murdered. Like those things are likely done most often by some dude who is embarrassed or shy and mentally ill, whatever, incel, whatever you want to say. Like any of these things, like those, that typically happens. So I don't think that's a bad theory. I think it's very likely. It also could be some crazy chick from their sorority who was pissed because she like stole some dude from her or something or like whatever. Like it could be a million things. Like if it was a, if it was a, um, like a horror movie, that would be the twist, right? It'd be like the calls from me from inside the house, the the killers coming from inside the sorority. Like that would be the twist, but we don't fucking know guys. Like this is, I, I appreciate you keeping me up with it, Crystal, because now we're kind of invested here on the Patreon episode, but it's crazy, man. It's sad. It's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. And just like, I don't know, man. Like, I did know somebody I went to high school with that got murdered. Uh, this girl. I think they like burned her body. It's just weird. It's weird to think about that. Like, oh, I knew these people. And then that happened. It's, I can't imagine, but it's just really, man, it's super fucked. It's just, it's just sad. But at this point, judging by everything that happens on the first 48, from that one episode of the first 48 I ever watched, this person's probably not going to get caught. Like the, the person's probably gone and they don't have any kind of ideas by now. Like if we, if we don't anything from you, Valdi, like the police are relatively incompetent. So I think this guy's gone to be honest with you. I don't think this is, ha- I don't think they're going to find out who this was. That's my prediction, but we'll see. I'm moving on. All right. Chelsea says, Chelsea says, during our last AMA episode, you were talking about knife skills regarding the person who killed those college students in Idaho. We'll keep going about it to the college students. Uh, you, talked, <laughs> you talked a little about your enjoyment of hunting, mentioned that you don't necessarily enjoy the taking of a life part of it. This perks up my ears because I have been curious about learning how to hunt, and that's part where I find myself getting stuck on. I'm not squeamish about blood, cleaning, and portioning a kill. That doesn't freak me out, but what I would say to what would you say to a new hunter who is apprehensive about the act of taking a life? How has your mindset on this taken shape or evolved as you've learned to hunt? Um it's interesting. So hunting is weird, like it's weird, right? My wife, I got her into hunting. Later, she hasn't killed a big game animal yet. She almost killed a pig. She almost, she barely missed this pig, a uh, big ass boar while we were down in Texas. And we'll get her on some pigs. And she's really excited to shoot an elk. She's really excited to shoot a deer. Uh, she's a little bit more apprehensive. The cuter an animal is, like she doesn't see elk as cute, uh, but like a white-tailed deer. They're very small and dainty and, and pretty. She has a hard time with that. But the first one, is an, if you're doing it as an adult, is hard. As a kid, I think I killed my first deer when I was like 13. I, had, I didn't do very well hunting when I was a kid. Um, we just didn't have, I didn't have a, my granddad, as much as he tried, like was not a very good hunter. Uh, and we just didn't get super into it as much. I was very into it, but I didn't have the resources. Uh, and my family didn't like really provide like a really great experience. Um, so I let, I took on a lot of this later on in life. And I think when I was young, I was just excited. I was excited to kill something or whatever. And then that led into like shooting coyotes and shooting whatever. Just like any critters that were around, we just shoot them and turtles, whatever. Once I got a little older, that seemed super fucked up to me. Like I didn't like killing for the sake of killing. Like I shot a, the first animal I ever shot with a bow actually was a bobcat. Um, that just happened to be chasing field mice, like right by my deer stand in Texas at 17 yards. And I smoked this thing and I had actually the hide right behind me in this video is uh, that's the bobcat hide. Um, and I think I remember telling myself that's probably, that's, that's the last time I kill something just to kill it. 
Didn't, I didn't know how to eat a bobcat. I probably would eat it now if I could do it again because I know I've heard that big cat is actually pretty delicious. Uh, mountain lion is, is apparently tastes like pork. Um, so I would have done it. I just didn't have the skill set at the time to do that and um, was really newer to bow hunting at the time and was excited. And, and I just felt like a this like pain in my gut for ending something's life that was just doing its thing and I wasn't even going to eat it. So I just had this hide as kind of a reminder um, of what that feels like. And I don't like that feeling at all. Um, but then you move forward and you start seeing the whole process, right? Like the ending of a life is hard for me personally. I don't know if that's really the, 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 the case for everyone, but for me, it very much is. Um, but there's something about hunting that's really beautiful in that it's, it's a unique experience emotionally. It's excitement, it's relief, it's joy, it's, it's like it's sad. It's, it's beautiful. It's like, it's, it's hard to even like the, the idea that I'm trying to put these feelings into words seems a little bit cumbersome in itself. And once you have that full experience, once you see there's this moment, right? Where, and you, especially if you're getting, if you're new, this is probably going to rifle hunt. So you shoot a deer, let's just say you shoot a doe, right? And it's dead and you go up and it's dead and it's bleeding. And maybe it's not all the way dead. Maybe you got to give it a little bit. Maybe it flaps around a lot while it's dying. Um, and you get up there and it's a dead deer and then you gut it out and it seems less like a deer and then you skin it and then it looks like meat and then you quarter it out and it looks more just like food. And you see this process where then instead of just being like meat is food, it goes animal is meat, which is food. And you start to like, there's a, the association changes, which is why I want my kids to have this association very young. Um, helping me clean animals and butcher animals and stuff. Um, as young children, three, four years old, to be really acquainted with that cycle and then, and then, and then teaching them to have a lot of respect for it later on. But once you get through that, ex, that experience, I think that one thing you can really do to help yourself as a new hunter is be really open to learning and be really open to all the emotions. Like if you need to sit down and cry for a little while after you kill something, Sit down and fucking cry. Like, cherish that moment. Because you only get to do that one time. Like, the first time you kill a big a big animal, especially a pretty animal, like an elk, deer, whatever, um, pigs are a little bit different, fish are different, birds are different. Um, but that first time, take the time to feel it all. Like, take the time to feel every little feeling like don't be in a hurry to gut it and do all this other stuff and put it in the truck. All this. Like don't rush through it. Right. I recommend if you're hunting with someone else and you shoot something like tell them to wait and you walk up to it yourself. That walk up is an emotional experience when I, and I know a lot of you guys saw this on Instagram. When I shot my first elk with a bow this last year, I was sobbing. I wasn't trying to, but it's something I've wanted to do since I was a little bitty kid. And I shot this bull at, 16 yards, probably 17 yards. Maybe didn't even range him. And somehow it all worked out. I was with a friend. He's fucking emotional. Like we're just, we're freaking out. And it's like, it, there's nothing like it. Like I got chills thinking about it right now. It's just one of the most, it's one of the most human experiences. That's the only way to, it's fucking human. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to take a life for food. And we outsource that shit. Like we outsource it. Think about that. Somebody else has to take on that emotional burden for you. Somebody else is sitting there using a, using a bolt gun to dome rock beef cows and hang them up. 
you're outsourcing, you're outsourcing that emotional burden by not harvesting your own food. And to me, that's selfish. To me, that's shallow. Like if you're going to eat it, then you need to feel what it's like to watch it die. It is what it is, man. You know what I mean? And it, it doesn't mean you have to do it every time, right? If you've done it one or two times and you know what's up and just to get that experience. But if you have the opportunity, you should feel that feeling. If you're going to eat meat, you should feel that feeling. It fucking sucks sometimes. And sometimes I've lost a deer before. It sucks. I've lost ducks before. I hate it all. I hate that. Like losing animals is the fucking worst, man. And it, 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 it doesn't, it sticks with you too. It's weird. But I think that we can all get a lot out of being more human and having more human experiences. And if you're going to put dead animal in your mouth, I think you're kind of a coward if you don't take on that emotional burden at least once. Um, personally. Now, a lot of you don't have access to these things, but you can find it, right? You can find it. And you can try some different things. It's there if you really want it. But I think that that that's understanding that you're taking a, it's a responsibility. Ending an animal's life is a responsibility. And there's a lot to it. And there's a lot to learn. And it does put you in touch with a different part of yourself that maybe have been laying dormant your whole life. Who knows? But I respect you for trying it out. And that's, that's, I don't know if that's the best advice, but I think that is a little bit of maybe perspective that you could take into that and really like just be with it. You know what I mean? Just like be with the experience. Be fucking all the way there. Don't be thinking about this and that. Be present in that experience. And it'll hurt a little probably. And it'll be sad. It'll be exciting. And you'll be shaking and you all the things and breathing hard and whatever. And just know they just keep getting easier after that, right? And you can just do it and not really think about it. So that one moment with that first time, God damn. Like just be in it, you know? That's my advice to you, Chelsea. Moving on. Tim says, what do you think about the whole great reset conspiracy theory? I feel that there are bits and pieces of truth and falsehood in many conspiracy theories, including this one, but from a politically homeless center left position, what's your take on it? Should we be worried about the individuals like Klaus Schwab or is it just another QAnon type thing? I know it's definitely discussed among conservative circles more often than the leftist ones, but even Russell Brand, who I watch frequently, speaks of this as well, and there must be some sort of thing going on behind the scenes. Some conservatives think it's a socialist communist takeover um, of the globe, but leftists mostly say it's a late stage capitalism for the corporations benefiting from it all. Overall, I do think there are powerful elites, but I'm unsure of how far and deep the rabbit hole goes. So then he shared this uh, Russell Brand video that he shared a while back of the Great Reset. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's 15 minutes, but I recommend you guys go and watch it. My thoughts on the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab. I can't stand Klaus Schwab. I think he is dangerous. I think that George Soros is dangerous. I think the Koch brothers are dangerous. And yes, I think it is late stage capitalism. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, it's a socialist takeover. No, it's late stage capitalism with a fucking socialist mask on. It is not. So you think, do you think Klaus Schwab and George Soros are interested in socialism? Really? That's what you think is happening here? No, no, no. They want conglomerations. They want everything under their control from your life to the way you move around. They, it's, it's, 
it's like what, what medicines you take and don't take, how you live your life, what you think about. They want, it's a control game. It's a control game. And yeah, it's, it, it's the likely endpoint for late stage capitalism, man. Like it's really, and that's where we go. It's just like you, you don't check the power of these corporations and these entities. They gain so much power that they don't have, and they, a, a corporation is not a person, right? A, an institution is not a, is, does not have morals. This is, does not exist. This is not how this fucking works. Okay, that's not what we need to be doing here, right? We need to be making things smaller, more local, more in touch with the community, more responsive to the market forces. But they're not. Instead of being responsive to market forces, which is pro-capitalism, right? And a part of capitalism that I really admire is like being responsive to market forces. They now have the power to create market forces. And when the corporations, when the businesses operating within the market are now in charge of creating market forces, you have lost the game. You have lost capitalism. You've lost the power of the people. That's where we're at currently. And we're seeing that manifest in so many ways to where these global economic forum type folks are able to influence everything. Pharmaceutical companies, tech companies, global markets, environmentalism, priorities. Instead of you and I saying we have this problem, we have that problem, we're seeing things go belly up, right? Industri- the industrial, uh, the, 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 what is it called? The, the Rust Belt is fucked. Rural America is getting fucked even more and more every day. But these people don't give a shit about that. They want to put you all in the same place where you can be marketed too easily. They can let you know where you can go, when you can go. A little QR code on your phone will tell you if you're if you're if you're safe or not. To me, that's a, that's a corporate takeover of society, and if that manifests itself in a one-world government, that's fine. But I think you know through democracy and through the people having the power to put a check on this bullshit, we can find a better place. The people generally, and now there are a lot of dumb people in the world for sure, and we all do dumb things, but the people generally have been more right than the government when it comes to foreign wars, when it comes to trade agreements, when it comes to the priorities of our government. But just like how industry isn't responsive to market forces, the government isn't really responsive to its constituents. We're detached The institutions are detached from the population. And you're a consumer before you're a citizen. So when you think about it that way, I view that as capitalism. You can call it whatever the fuck you want. You can call it whatever you want. But the idea that the Great Reset is a conspiracy theory is not. It's a conspiracy, but it sure as fuck ain't a theory. So when we look at that whole thing and think about this and like really look at it, to me, it's it's divorcing industry from market forces. They'll tell you what you need and when you need it and how you need it right? Which is not capitalism, but it's what capitalism is turning into given the, given the guidelines that we've created for capitalism to function in, right? We spoke a lot about not enforcing antitrust laws and how that leads us to this. You can imagine a lot of these companies weren't one company. If four different companies didn't own all the food in the grocery store, right? Little Debbie Kraft, 
what the fuck, Flintstones, whatever the, the Fruity Pebbles. Like they're all owned by the same people, guys. If you think those, if you think those industries are responsive to market forces, then you obviously haven't walked through a grocery store and saw that you can get sparkles in syrup now. You can get Mountain Dew flavored Twinkies. So who 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 is that responsive to? Who? People that have been addicted to a certain type of fake food-like product that was generated scientifically to hijack your mind to make you think you need a thing, (laughs) right? That's not market forces. That's manipulation. That's almost a goddamn psyop. So yeah, it's not real capitalism. It's not real socialism. It's not real anything. So you can put whatever label on it you want from whichever side you want. At the end of the at the, at the end of the day, it's fucking disgusting and dangerous and scary. That's what I think about the Great Reset. But you know, I don't think I, I think that calling it late stage capitalism or calling it socialism or calling it communist, whatever you want to call it, that's mostly partisan. And those code words just mean bad, right? Like if it's <laughs> if it's capitalism from the left, it's bad. If it's socialism from the right, it's bad. So what we're saying, I wish we could just be like, this is a problem from either side. We don't need to call it late stage capitalism. We don't need to call it socialism because it's kind of a blend of all of those things and just divorcing them all from the population and uh, and limiting freedom. That's what it comes down to. And I have no interest in living in that world. I hope you don't either because that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, great reset, man. Strange times. All right. Let me hit this vape pen real quick because Jeffrey's got two more. Blowing dank clouds, bro. All right. <laughs> it says, Jeffrey says, this Twitter thread was a thread was a good summary of how I feel whenever someone hears of someone who died, often without even knowing the reason, and immediately says, that's sad, but were they jabbed? Or even claiming, I'll bet it was, they were probably jabbed. I see it as a way to just virtue signal and get uh, get a hit of self-righteous dopamine as someone else's loss. Let the autopsies do their thing and maybe just take a little grace for the fact that someone died without trying to force uh, it into the narrative. Yes, vaccines have caused death. To me, it's more about chilling out uh, and let the loss be witnessed without placing an agenda on it. And I know the pro-vaccine peeps were similarly discussed, uh, disgusting when they when people died from COVID, and, but they took pleasure when they weren't vaccinated. What's your take? And this is uh, from Sonny McSunnyface. says, please stop with every time someone dies asking without any indication of why they died if it was the co- because of the vaccine. People died of shit so, uh, and suddenly long before COVID, and now many aren't even waiting to find out if it was an unexpected, unexplainable passing. When my uncle died of a sudden massive heart attack in 07, there was no vaccine to blame, nor was it to blame for Carrie Fisher's sudden death, uh, sudden death from a heart attack in 2016 or Richard Pryor's sudden heart attack death in 2005 or Brittany Murphy's in 2009 or Tom Petty's in 2017. Guys, that's a, a lot of that's drugs. A lot of that is drugs. Let's get this up on the screen here. I'm 100% in favor of accountability and investigations for truly mysterious or unexplainable deaths, but we can't fucking wait until there's information that's just unexplainable. We can't wait until the body is cold before the uninformed uh, optimism. You know what the number one cause of death in the United States was before COVID? Heart disease. More more died from heart failing than from cancer. Yada, yada, yada. Heart failure, heart failure. 
Um, yeah, so I think that she brought up some examples. I so I had a friend, or I have a friend, who their friend um, died randomly, suddenly. It was just his. He was about to get in the shower. He had a towel on. Lays on his bed for a minute. Probably wasn't feeling well. His girlfriend comes home. He's dead. Um, another that same friend, a bartender friend of hers, another guy, and I think the, I think the first guy was in his late twenties. The other guy was like thirty two. Um, the bartender guy just suddenly died, right? And I, you know, I didn't say it was a really hard time for her because she had to go to the house. He was dead on the floor. The ambulance is there to get his dog. Like it's a whole thing. It was, I feel so fucking bad for her. I didn't say anything, but eventually I was like, Hey man, was he, was he vaccinated by any chance? Because it was so out of nowhere. It was so out of nowhere. I didn't like say that. It wasn't the first thing I said, but I did cross a mind pretty early and I just tamped it down because it wasn't the time or place because I was trying to talk my friend through some pretty traumatic experiences. Um, but at the end of the day, there are a fuck ton of 30-year-old and younger dudes dying of random heart disease, right? Like Brittany Murphy in 2009, Richard Pryor was old, right? Um, her uncle in 2007, probably older. Like people have been dying. Like, yeah, have a 60-year-old dies of a heart attack. That's a different conversation. Tom Petty in 2017 is like, they're older, you know? I'm talk- we're talking about like 25, 26, 30-year-old dudes, mostly who are just followed over fucking dead, man. And it's scary. It's really scary. Like I have a friend, another friend, another lady friend who was like, I don't think I can date a guy who's vaccinated because some of these fucking guys are dying. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that bullshit. I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I mean, that's a, something to consider, you know? And yeah, it was equally as gross when people were like, were they, you know, whenever someone died of COVID and they're like, were they vaccinated? Um, yeah, that was gross too. I mean, these are both, it's, but it's like, you don't need to make a show of it, but it's like, Hey, like it's, it's, it's worth asking. Right. It's worth asking. So, I mean, I got into it with somebody whose whose grandfather who was 90 years old died of COVID and my grandfather who's 75 almost died from the vaccine. So, and and she was super pro vax, like hard pro vax. We're not friends anymore because of that. And, um, I was like, so your grandfather died of COVID and that's a, that's, that's a tragedy and you have a right to be upset about that. My grandfather was almost killed by the vaccine. If the vaccine would have killed him from that pneumonia he got from the vaccine, would his death have been any less tragic? Your grandfather was 90, mine 75. So on the merits, a 75-year-old man dying is a little bit sadder, in my opinion, than a 90-year-old person who had a full life. But because mine would have been from the vaccine and yours would have been from COVID, they feel a little different, don't they? Right? Like I think I would have been treated a little bit differently than you would have. And that's kind of fucked, in my opinion. So when I look at this, I mean, I think that the vaccine's killing a lot of people, guys. And I don't think, and here's the thing, Jeff. I don't think that the same people who are brought to you by Pfizer are going to cover this honestly. So I kind of have a little bit more sympathy for the were they vaccinated crew than you do probably. I would like to hear about the issues with the vaccine and I don't trust the mainstream media outlets or even for the, for, honestly, I don't even trust breaking points to give me this kind of, I, I do not trust my vaccine information from breaking points. I got DC brain sometimes and it's really frustrating for me. There's a handful of people that I can get vaccine information from at the end of the day, I got to go with my gut, <laughs> right? It's like I have to wade through the shit because the authoritative sources, quote unquote, are untrustworthy when it comes to this issue. And that's fucking frustrating. It's really frustrating for a lot of people, including myself. 
Um, so when somebody asked that, yes, there's an agenda. And also, you know, if it's done appropriately, I think it's fine. You know, I think if you're involved in it in some sort of way, but if it's just some random person on social media, that's not, that's inappropriate. That's very inappropriate. That being said, I don't think we're going to get accurate information when it comes to these issues from the same people again that are brought to you by Pfizer. Right? Like if, I, if this show was brought to you by Pfizer, do you think I'd be talking about this shit right now? No. <laughs> That's why I'm here. That is why I'm here. But yeah, I mean, I feel you. I, I do. It's just, I just think I want to know. I want to know if they were, if they were vaccinated or not personally, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pile onto someone's grief and ask them some stupid fucking question in that inappropriate time. Like that's a once that something needs to be handled with empathy and grace. And that's not uh that's not blowing them up on their, on their comments. And when they post something on Instagram about somebody they cared about dying, like that's fucked. That's yeah, uh, that's fucked. Got Marjorie Taylor green again. Jeffrey says, I know Marjorie Taylor green is a clown. But it looks like she's going to be the loudest, most visible clown in the upcoming house changeover. These comments made this past weekend are pretty shocking to me. Just like a, a decent move into the more violent, dangerous rhetoric. Uh, oh, descent into the more, yeah. Um, at what point does she swing from being dumb clown to being just a legitimate concern? Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene makes shocking comments about armed January 6th. If I organized it, we would have won. Representative, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene claimed that if the events of January 6th had happened her way, we would have won. Greene spoke at a New York Young Republicans Club in New York City on Saturday evening, where her speech largely consisted of blasting the Biden administration, calling the government corrupt, well, and reaffirming her opposition to support for Ukraine's defense against Russia. So here's where I get frustrated because like, I wish she wouldn't be the person that's like that's that's leading this, this uh, oversight push and different things for Ukraine. Uh, because I think all of that stuff is great. And I think she gives it a bad name and she's playing into the Democrats hands. Uh, frankly, that would matter to you, Marjorie. If you see this, like you're not helping. Um, I know you're, you probably think you are, but like, stop, please. Um, she's the one that's like making the most noise about this. So it just makes anybody who wants oversight of, of Ukraine spending, um, more sound crazy because they're a part of her group and I don't want to be a part of her group. So please stop. Um, Anyways, moving on. Her remarks eventually arrived at the, at the subject of January 6th, where she scoffed at the past accusations that she gave capital tours to Donald Trump supporters before they wound up laying siege to the building. Um, then January 6th happened, and the next thing you know, I organized the whole thing along with, along with Steve Bannon, Green said. I will tell you something. If Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won, not to mention I would have been armed. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> When does she go from being a dumb clown to being a legit concern? Um, people are going to say what they're going to fucking say, man. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I get frustrated like with her and with this. And I think, but here's the thing. The population of this country needs to be represented. Okay. And I think she very likely represents the constituents of her district. <laughs> and that's democracy, man. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna? Il Jewish people think that Ilan Omar is is speaking craziness, but she represents her, her district, and maybe a lot of people there feel that way. And if they didn't, they could vote her out next time around, but they won't. So that's democracy. People say crazy shit, you know, and 
Now, if her and Steve Bannon had planned it and they would have been armed, would they have probably won? Yeah, in the short term, they probably would have won. That day, until the military got there, until everybody else, then it became a civil war type of situation. That would have been wild. That would have been fucking cool. I kind of wish they would have done that. That would have been a wild thing to see. Um, Because they would have lost long term. Like, in the whole scheme of things, they would have lost. Unless Trump somehow got the military. But given that he was a puppet for the the, uh, (laughs) military industrial complex on top of the intelligence community, well, I don't think that was going to happen. Right? They told him what to do, not the other way around. So... I'm not, sc- I'm not scared of Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene and her rhetoric. Why would I, like, this woman is tweeting about dildos at Walmart. So she's just, she says crazy shit. But she does represent a, a, a portion of the country. As does Ilhan Omar, as does AOC, as does Nancy Pelosi. And I'm honestly more concerned with Nancy Pelosi than I am with MTG here. Right? Like, this woman's, you know? It's like, I'm not, I'm not scared of, I'm not as scared of someone in that position who's just kind of dumb. Like that's fine, right? It's like, oh, that's not scary. Somebody who's cunning and smart, and and can, you know, really be delicate and kind of like make you second guess all the time. Those people are dangerous. But people saying shit like this, like whatever, dude. Like she's just trying to be cool and flex and whatever. It's not worth your time. It's not something to be scared of. That's for sure. That that's how I feel. But again, if you are pro democracy, then you're pro people in our country being represented and she represents part of our country. And that's the way to look at it from any, any angle, you know, do I like her? Of course not. But I criticize her from here, right? I do my thing cause I'm using, we have democracy in a certain way, a democratic Republic and we have freedom of speech. So she can say dumb, crazy shit that she says. I can then criticize her speech and say, that's kind of a dumb thing to say at the same time, eh, whatever, move on. No one really cares. And that's it. That's a country. That's how a country works. <laughs> how it should work anyways. That's how I feel about it. Hell, fuck, I don't know. You guys are wild. Well, what are we at now? An hour and 40 minutes. Fantastic. It'll be a little shorter than that. I got to edit some stuff out. You know You know how it goes. But you're all here. I'm, I'm here. We're done. That's it for today. No something to think about. I would love it if you enjoyed this banter and this randomness that comes from the Patreon community. There are no limits. It doesn't have to be political. And if you made it this far, let's be real. You want to be in the Patreon. I think if you made it this far, you're like in the 20%. I think about 20% of people make it to the very end. I've seen the stats. We have a pretty good listen-through rate, but like, if you're here right now listening to this, you need to be in the Patreon. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. <sighs> Keep up the good work, everybody. The holidays are here. Stay calm. Drink your element. Get your element hot chocolate. You need it. Stuff those stockings, baby. And most of all, be good to your, get, be good to each other. Watch Spirited, and keep your head on straight for the holiday season. We got one more episode coming at you between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wait, between Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> and one more Patreon on top of that. So check it out, guys. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. Love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.